Thank you for downloading this podcast from Emmanuel Church Lurgan. At Emmanuel, our vision is to help rewrite the story of Craigavon, Ireland and the nations with the good news of the Kingdom of God. We hope you enjoy listening to this message. Amen. Thanks, Tash. Um, so good to be um, with you and uh, that you've braved this, uh, the holiday weekend. This will become clear after, so just get your suspense, you know. So, um, I, uh, I was really nervous about this morning, more so than normal, and uh, nervous because it's maybe not the coolest message or going to tickle anyone's ears, um, but I, I felt like um, after David spoke last week on the whole issue of surrender, the word surrender caught me, it's on the board. I want you to think about it today with me, surrender and submit, and sort of moving into a new season and a new um, era, uh, or a bit of a new season in this theme, and Dave and I have been chatting a little bit about this, about moving into sort of relationships, looking at how to, how to follow Jesus in all of our life in relationships, how to take it out now, how to, you know, not just hear what God's saying in the midst of it all and keep it all in the Holy of Holies, but how do we do life together as people, and it's kind of one of those um, after, as I say, after David spoke on deliverance last Sunday, and the whole idea of surrender to God, which was a key theme to that. Um, the and, and then on Monday night I did grow. I did the opening talk and grow out, and it was a, it was really really good. It was one of those nights that you just felt the Holy Spirit move in it, and and so in the in, in grow what happens uh, after Alpha. We do three, three different modules, nine-week modules. The first one is Grow Down, and Grow Down is basically letting everybody know what they've just got into. That's the basic principles of faith. Um, um, so it's really, really good and really important, not on tomorrow night with the holiday, but um, the following Monday night, if you did Alpha, you need to be at that. It's really important. And then after that nine-week module, we do um, Grow Up, which is about identity, who you are in Christ, all of that. And then after that nine-week module, the next one is Grow Out, and I um, have the great privilege of doing the first talk on that, and, and the, the first talk on that is called Dress Yourself. It's really, really good. Um, and the idea is that, that you are now co-partnering. So what I said on Monday night past was you will notice the language changes. You will notice the change in language from um, this is what I've got into, this is what I get out of this, now this is what I need to do to walk into it more. And so the language all changes, um, which is very, very powerful. And so what happens in that, um, I have a definition of surrender up there, when you, um, the, the, it means stop resisting to an opponent and submit to their authority. That's the dictionary, just the ordinary dictionary definition of that. And so what happens is, is if you, let, let's read a passage first, all right? I want to I want to read a passage if you've got your Bible or if you want to open this in the app because I want to read a whole chapter. It's not that long, but I, I'd love you to pick it up. I'm going to read it out of the ESV, and then I'm going to refer to some on the screen in the NIV because it's not just as clunky for the screen. But I'm going to read it from the ESV, James chapter 4. It's one of those passages that disturbed me this week. It's a strong passage in that it's... Um, it's a bit like James, you feel like James wrote this pre-coffee in the morning. 
You feel like he's, he's written this before he's, before he's had a coffee because he's, he's warning against worldliness, and he's quite strong in his language. He's, he's, he's not missing you and hitting the wall here, all right? So let's go with me, all right? Verse 1, there's only um, um, 16 verses in it, so follow on with me if you would. Um, he says, what causes quarrels and causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and you do not have, so you murder. You covet and you cannot obtain, so you fight and you quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend on your passions. You adulterous people. Now, he's talking to the church. This is Sunday morning message. All right, he's not talking to, this isn't an evangelistic rally. All right, he's talking to the church here. He said, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose it is uh, to no purpose that the Scripture says ye yearn, he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us, but he gives more grace? Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. Do not speak evil of one another, brothers. And the one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is only one lawgiver and judge, he who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? Come now, you who said today or tomorrow we will do, and we will go into such and such a town and spend a, a year there and trade and make profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it for him, it is sin. So God, I just asked uh, this morning that you would minister and strengthen your word to us that, uh, and give us wisdom as we divide it um, well to the people today. In Jesus' name, amen. Those of you who have kids will know that whenever, lovely to see loads of new babies this morning here as well in the early service as well. And those of you who have kids will know that whenever you have your child and you bring your child home from the hospital and it's a lovely wee thing and, you, you know, and, and, and it, you, everything goes great and you, you take it through its first year and then it comes into it and then it hits two. And it, you don't call it the terrible twos for nothing. It hits two, and um, it, by now he or she is on their feet, and they're ransacking. They're in every cupboard. You, you, you get these things, these safety latches for your cupboards, but they figure it out. They know how to open them, and um, gates for your stairs, which they climb over, and all of those things. And you think, you, you have, sometimes in your despairing moments, you think, what have I done? And, um, and, and what you do, maybe more subconsciously than consciously, you, you go into a procedure to try and teach your child how to, how to think outwardly. Because at this moment, this child, this, this two-year-old is totally thinking about itself. 
It doesn't think, I won't poo my nappy so mum doesn't have to clean up a mess. doesn't think like that. Sorry to be explicit. doesn't think in the middle of the night I won't cry in the middle of the night because dads, they get up for work in the morning. Your kid doesn't think like that. All right, everything's internalized. It's all about me. Feed me. What can I get out of life? What is in this for me? This, and so what we do is we, we tend to, at two, what, at two, what we begin to think of is uh, we've got 16 years to turn this thing around. <laughs> we've got the next 16 years to try and figure out how to get this child to start asking the right questions. We've got to... 16 years to try and figure out how to get this child to stop asking, what's in this for me? What can I get out of this? And ask, what can I do for others? How can I serve others? What do I need? That's a good question, isn't it? And so what we do is we maybe more subconsciously and consciously go into that sort of idea. And the problem that James is writing about in the early church, because this is the early church. So James, while it's almost at the end of your New Testament, chronologically is the oldest book in the New Testament. So if you were chronological, it's the very first book, all right? Like it's, it's, you should study the Bible chronologically because the epistles were all written before the Gospels. We tend to think of Gospels because they were first with the first written, but the epistles were written first. So James was written first, then the epistles, because James is a Jewish book, so it's written, it's actually written before the Gentile church existed, before the Gospel reached you and I. James, the brother of the Lord Jesus, is writing to the Jewish church. So right at the very beginning, they get this thing right. <laughs> Because this is, this is the beginning, and, the, and beginnings are important. And so he's saying, to get this thing right, we need to hear some stuff. And, we, and James is challenging the early church about who are quarreling among themselves and just asking the wrong questions. People who have wondered, what's in this for me? What can I get out of this? James is saying, you're asking the wrong questions. You should be asking, what can I do? What do I need? And of course, the answer is, you need Jesus. You need the Holy Spirit. And this problem that stirs when we haven't fully surrendered to the Lordship of Christ, this is the idea. When we've one foot in the world, and we've one foot in the church, and we begin to realize that this doesn't work. So my purpose this morning is to start um, getting you to ask better questions, all right? So there's four needs that we're going to look at really quickly. I'll spend a wee bit of time in the first one and then fly through the other three. Four needs that I find in this book. The first is the need to choose. You need to choose. Now, again, I'll throw the the, the reference is up on the NIV because they're a little bit easier to read on the screen. She says, you adulterous people, don't you know that the friendship of the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses, there's the word, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think that Scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit that is caused to dwell in us? So the, the big basic need in the church today is the need to choose. And so what I was saying to the guys on Monday night is the language now changes. The language changes to you've got to choose to do some stuff. And you will find a lot of the language now is first, you, you make the first move. Draw near to me and God says, I will draw near to you. Ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you shall 
find on and on I could go. The New Testament's full of this where you actually now are challenged to make the first move. And um, God is calling us to this challenge. So what he's saying here in this passage is that we can't be a friend of the world and a friend of God. You can't be a lover of the world and a lover of God. It's like Laurie saying to me, I love you, but I'm, I think I'm going to have a few other male friends. Are you okay with that? Well, I, I no, I'm not okay with that because, you see, I'm a jealous husband. All right, I don't think I'm an insecure husband. I don't think, but I, I'm not spying on her all the time. I'm not watching who she's talking to or, or taking a peep at her messages when I get her hands on her phone. I'm not doing that. I'm not insecure, but I'm jealous. I'm jealous of her heart, and, and it's great to have friends, but if I, if I were to see pieces of her heart or were to sense pieces of her heart going to another, I'd be broken because her, her heart has me wrapped around its little finger. That's, that's what love does. And, and God says, the world is doing this to you. It's luring you away into adultery. He's saying, if you fall in love with the world system, you see, for God so loved the world, the people, all right? But he's saying here, if you fall in love with the world system, then everything about this system runs countercultural to the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God, he says, is completely subversive to, to anything that you will find in the world, and you just can't mix them. They're, they're opposite poles. They're oil and water. They just don't mix. And of course, there's a great thing here. There's a great thing called grace. That's in verse 6. He you know, we're verse 6 already, because we're going to go right through the whole chapter, all right? And it's going to take about 20 minutes to do that. So he gives more grace, all right? Jesus is saying, if you need more grace, more grace will be given. <laughs> I love this. It's, it's, a bit like, it's a bit like God will move the goalpost for you. He said, here's grace, and you step outside of grace. He said, where sin abounds, grace actually much more abounds. Does that give you a license to sin? No, it most certainly doesn't. Because what he's saying here, he's saying that God opposes the proud. So he's saying if your head's too big, you won't fit through the door of grace. And sometimes our heads get so big that we just can't fit in. And so we've got to humble ourselves, our job. You know, I, I, I sometimes challenge young people that I've heard pray at times in, in past times and said, oh, oh Lord, will you humble me? And I go to them afterwards and I said, never pray that prayer again. You don't want God to humble you. If God has to humble you, you're in, you're in serious trouble. It's a job you do. You humble yourself. And if you don't humble yourself, then God will humble you. The problem is, he, he, as I say, he doesn't give this to everyone. And so what he says in, in verse 7 is this word, submit. He said, submit yourself then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Submit to God. All right, because when you submit to God, then you fall under His power and His authority that David um, talked so powerfully about us about last uh, Lord's Day. So when you submit to God, you fall under His power, His authority, and then you resist the devil. Now, some of us have a, have a false idea when it comes to what it means to resist the devil. Some of you in here tend to think the devil's after you all the time, and that's probably true. And so what you do is, what we tend to do is we tend to go on the run. Now, I googled last night, um, hurdle fields, and I found this Chinese one. You're going to love it. Watch the guy in the red circle, all right? Now, here's the problem. Here's the problem. Some of us think this is our life, trying to get away from the devil, all right? Here we go. Watch the guy in the red circle. 
So, so what it is, we're running. It's like we're, he's running away from the devil, trying to get away. The devil's after me. He's coming after me. Let's forget about the hurdles. Just run straight through them. It doesn't really matter. I just need to get away from the devil because the devil's after me. So I got I to gotta get away. I got to run. I got to make him. Whatever I'll do, I'll just... That's, that's what happens with some of us. That's how some of us live our lives when it comes to spiritual warfare. We feel like we are on the run from the devil. God love that poor guy. He thinks he done well. But, but uh, uh, we, some of you in this room are trying to outrun sin. You're trying to outrun pornography. You're trying to outrun alcohol. You're trying to outrun shame and guilt. You're trying to outrun. And I've, people that try to outrun things, I hear them. They say, well, you know, I haven't, I haven't took drugs for three weeks. I haven't smoked for, for a month now. I haven't cursed at anyone for, must be five weeks now. But then the problem with that is, the problem with running from the devil is, you just become a spiritual force gump. And my big question to you is, where are you running to? If you're just running away from the devil all the time, where are you running to? Because sooner or later, the problem is, he, that, that it's just going to catch you. And if you're trying to run away from sin in your own steam, then that's what happens. You get into the little thing, well, I, I did it for five weeks, and then it just seemed to, it seemed to catch up on me again. That's because you're trying to do it yourself. That's because you're, you, you, you need to flip back a line and remember that we're called to submit to God. I always say it's like the other side of the, of the coin, resist the devil, but you've got to, before you resist him, you've got to submit, you've got to surrender under his lordship. And, and, and you think to yourself, how, how do I do that? Well, imagine this. Imagine if, I don't know if you're a McDonald's fan or not, but imagine you love McDonald's. Let's just say you love McDonald's. And so your dream meal is a Big Mac meal, large chips, and a vanilla milkshake. It's very low calorie. And, um, and uh, you, I do, I do, I do far too much. Um, but let's say, let's say instead of you going to McDonald's today, I were to take you to the tannery. I don't know why you've ever been to the tannery. Anybody went to the, ever been at the carvery at the tannery on Sunday afternoon? There was nobody in the first service. Come on, show me if you've been there. Oh, a few of you. Thank you for telling the truth. Um, um, so let's, let's, say, let's, say, let's say you go to the tannery um, this afternoon, and, and you, oh, the starters are so amazing. I love, I could start and finish with the starters. And you get into the starters and, and you go up and get another little one and they're, they're good, aren't they, Dave? Dave smiles when he comes to food. Man, that man loves food so much. And, 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 and then you finish the starters and you go up for your main. And they, I don't know how they cook that roast beef. And if you're a vegan or a vegetarian in here, I'll pray for you. But anyway, um, the, 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 you, you, the, the, you get that roast beef. And they, I don't know how they cook it, but it's like smelt in your mouth stuff, you know. Now imagine you've just got your starter and you're sitting at your main meal and you're sitting eating your roast beef and you've got all the, your Yorkie puddings and your roast potatoes and your gravy and everything. And somebody was to come in to you and saying, want to hit McDonald's? So, wise up, wise up, I'm not going to McDonald's. Why would you not go to McDonald's? You wouldn't go to McDonald's because you found something better. And here's the key. The key is in submission to God, what happens is, now it's easy because you've actually found something better. And what happens in this case, when you resist the devil, it's like going to the tannery, McDonald's doesn't become an issue anymore. 
Because what happens is the devil then flees from you. And some of you in this room spend all your time fighting with the devil, and you're not called to fight the devil. You're called to resist the devil, to submit to God. And what happens when you submit to God, then when you resist the devil, it's God's hand the devil sees and not yours. That's the key. If we're, if we're just resisting the devil in our own steam, what we're doing is we're putting our hand up, and he just catches us. But what happens is if we submit to God, when we resist the devil, he sees the hand of God. And the, listen, here's the thing. The only power the devil has over a child of God is the power and authority you give him. That is the only power and authority he has over you is the power and authority that you give him. Now, if that's the case, then let's watch, let's watch your little movie again, all right? Because now it's not you that's running from the devil, it's the devil that's running from you. So what actually happens in the idea of coming near to God, what happens when you submit to God, he comes near to you, and then what happens is, this isn't you running, this is the devil running from you. What happens is the devil says, oh, I better get away from him. He's been praying, he's been anointing with oil, he's been covering his family, he's been covering everything. Man, I need to get out of here, I need to get out of here because he has submitted his life to God and because he submitted his life to God, I need to get away from him. I need to get away from her. See the difference? See the difference? It's incredible, isn't it? And there's something so powerful when we begin to understand this that our prayers and our demons flee at the name of Jesus. Tash talked about this at the very start. And all this time you've been running, and it's he that should be running from you. But that only happens when you abide in him, when you abide in him, when you submit, when you surrender. There's a great story of a, of a little um, Jack Russell Terrier. And... Uh, he lived next door to a big Alsatian dog. And uh, the owner of the Alsatian dog would, would take the big Alsatian out for a walk every day. And this little terrier, this little, this little Jack Russell, when the Alsatian would walk past the gate, he would jump off the, the, front, porch and he would, the front porch and he would run down the garden and he would hit the gate. And of course, the gate was locked. His owner would kept the gate locked all the time and he would hit the gate and he would... And he would bark and bark at the Alsatian. And of course, the big Alsatian would just walk on past. And this little dog biting and biting. And, 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 uh, and this would happen every day. And then one day, one day, sitting on the, on the porch and, and the big Alsatian with its owners walking past. And the little Jack Russell fires down the garden. And he's barking and he's biting and he hits the gate. But his owner had forgot to lock the gate. And he runs out in the, un, under the legs of this big Alsatian. And of course, the Alsatian just looks up to heaven and says, for what we're about to receive, may the Lord make us truly thankful. And, um, and, 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 he, and he turns in that wee Jack Russell and he, and he bites him and he fires him in the air and he flings him across the road. And, 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 and when it's all said and done, this little, this, little, this little terrier just sort of limps back up onto the front porch again and thinking to itself, who opened the gate? Well, here's the thing. Sin opens the gate. Sin opens the gate. And if we, if, we, if we don't deal with the sin in our lives, what happens is it opens the gate and we run headlong into the devil. 
And there's something that, that we need to choose, like Joshua, in Joshua 24, where he said, I need to choose, and I choose this day whom I will serve. As for me and my house, he said, we will serve the Lord. So the first thing you need to do is you need to choose. The second thing, and I'll not take us long in this, you need to weep. You probably never heard anybody preach a sermon on how you need to weep. And here's the verse, all right? Wash your hands. Notice the, again the order. Wash your hands, something that you first need to do. Purify your hearts, all active verbs, all stuff you need to do. You double-minded, grieve, mourn, wail, change your laughter to mourning and your joy to live. What's he saying? He's saying laughter should turn to mourning when there's sin in your life. Sin should make you weep because it's like cheating on your spouse. Because it should break your heart because it breaks his heart. And, and God says there's something about this. Let's not think sin is funny. What he's saying is when there's sin in your life, you should be looking at your hands and saying, God, I need to submit these hands to you. I need to submit what these hands are doing at the minute. God, I, I, need to, I need to purify this heart. I need to bring this heart fresh before you this morning. I need you to challenge this heart. James is talking about holiness. He's talking about sanctification. He's talking about living a life above blame. The sort of stuff isn't cool or culturally relevant today. But you're going to hear it here because we have aligned ourselves to tell you the truth. And so, What's happening here, he's saying, when it comes to sin in your life, this isn't about, this isn't about eternal joy. This isn't joy unspeakable, unspeakable and full of glory. This is, he says, when it comes to sin in your life, it should make you weep. Now, does he want you to stay there? No, he doesn't. He said, when you humble yourself before the Lord, he will lift you up. And so you bring that sin before God and it breaks your heart. This is what made David a man after God's own heart. Remember, David committed adultery. Remember, David actually committed murder. But yet three times over in the scripture, he's called a man after God's own heart. How did that happen? Well, because when it happened to David, it broke his heart. Every time he sinned, and he was a sinner just like you and I, it broke his heart. And he went before God with weeping. And because he went before God with weeping and repentance, God forgive him and wiped the slate clean every time. This is, this is the secret. This, the secret isn't about living a sinless life. You ain't going to be able to do that. The secret is keeping short accounts with God. The secret is bringing a, a life of confession because God doesn't want you to stay low. He wants to lift you up. Third thing is you need good relationships. If you're not in a life group, you need to be in a life group. There's something about godly relationships, and this is what we're going to go with this little series. I'm doing another Sunday, and then Dave's going to do a couple on this. So uh, this whole idea of how to, how to build into relationships, how, because not only do you need to choose who you're going to serve, not only do you need to weep because of the sin in your life, you need to choose godly relationships. Here's what he says, verse 11 and 12. He says, brothers and sisters, don't slander one another. Anyone who speaks against his brother or sister speaks against the law and judges it. So what was happening here? He's saying, he sin, you know what? You know what? James is saying to the church, he's saying, you're messing it up horizontally because you're messing it up vertically. He's saying, when, whenever, whenever you choose the world over God, you become selfish. And the problem with selfish people is they start to damage other people around them. So he says, you're losing it horizontally because you've actually lost it vertically. And there's something about this that's so, so powerful. You see, 
Whenever I got my new car, I, I, I never had Bluetooth before in my car. It was the most amazing thing. It's pretty cool. And uh, so I now have Bluetooth in my car. And what happened was whenever I got into the car for the first time, I brought my phone, my iPhone in, and I put Bluetooth on, and I put Bluetooth on in my car, and this thing came up. It quite amazed me. I thought, I'm going to get a sermon out of that somewhere. And um, it said, do you want to purr? And I thought, hmm, that seems like a good idea. So I said, yes, and then it sent me a little code, and I put that code in, and then it said, purring. And this little thing spun for a little while, and then it said, purred. And what happened was my phone, now, the Bluetooth in my phone, now purred with the Bluetooth in my car and became more powerful together than they were separate. Actually became more legal <laughs> together than they were separate. But now, get me in this, because here, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Um, sometimes what happens is it drops the signal. And when it drops the signal, it unpurs. And some of you in this room have dropped your signal, and that signal is the Holy Spirit. And when you drop the signal in, you unpur. And until you get confession back into your life, you need to repur. And what was happening here in the church, you see, what was happening, they, 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 they weren't allowing the Holy Spirit to minister. They'd just become the judge. And our job is not to judge. Our job is to push people to the judge. Our job is not to judge. Our job is to push people to judge Jesus. That's what our job is. And, and, so, and so if you're speeding and I'm, and I'm your friend and, and I'm sitting in the car with you and you're doing 60 mile an hour and a 30, I'm not going to write you a speeding ticket. But some of us are doing that. This is what was happening here at the church. Imagine if I was sitting beside you and I said, oh, okay, that's enough. Now, this is the third time today. You've done 40 and a 30, so I'm going to give you a ticket. Like, that'd be weird, wouldn't it? But yet, I, I've seen so many marriages do this. I've seen so many marriages where they've stopped actually loving and respecting one another, and they're just handing out tickets all the time. I've seen some grown-up kids, some parents say to me, my kids never call, they never ring. And sometimes I wonder, have we just give out too many tickets and their pockets are so full of tickets they can't pay and so they just never call anymore? Ouch. And so there's this idea, because what happens here, if you put yourself in the place of a judge, James says, you're saying, I'm better. <laughs> I'm better than you. That's why Paul, when he writes to the church at Corinth, he said, the reason that some are sick amongst you, and some have already died, is because you've dishonored the Lord's body. What does that mean? It means that you actually think, there's them up breaking bread. What are they doing up breaking bread for? I know what their life's like. What you're actually saying is, it's okay for me. I can do it. I'm quite okay. I'm good with God, but they shouldn't be doing it. That's dishonoring the Lord's table because you're not the judge. And so some people say sometimes, you have no right to judge me. And they're right. They're right. When somebody says, you have no right to judge me, they're actually right. And then they'll say this. They'll say, God's the only one can judge. And I often think when they say that, that's not something you should boast about because you're right, he will. So I wouldn't get too cocky and arrogant about that. 
So James is writing to this church, and he's saying, this is a posture of your heart. Now, he's not saying you don't challenge and you don't speak the truth in love. So if your friend's driving at 60 all the time and at 30, it would be a good idea to say, hey, wait to tell you, I've been sitting with you a few times, and I, you're definitely going to get a ticket if you don't calm down about that. That's no, no, like you say to your friend, or you don't stop stealing, you're probably going to go to jail. You know, like, that's so, you can speak the truth in love. Number four, really quickly, to bring this to a conclusion. You need kingdom eyes. Now, I don't take time to read this bit. It's 13 to 16. But he's, he's saying they're just boasting about tomorrow. Now, the, 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 what, what, what was happening here, remember, this is right at the very beginning of the church. And so the creators of cities actually saw the, the blessing of God on the Jewish community. And so what they would do was they, were, they would invite these in Jew, Jewish communities because the favor of God was so powerfully on them, they would entice them to buy in because they knew where they went, money went, and they built around pleasure and banned for their own freedom. James is saying, you arrogantly think that tomorrow is yours. You think that time is yours. You think that side is on you, that time is on your side. So he says, you manipulate time. He's saying that time is like this cable and he said, what happens is you tend to think you've got plenty of it. And so he says, what's happening is you're just buying into time. And you just think that time is all yours. And you can have great fun with time because there are loads of time. And it just goes on and on. And James is saying, James is saying, how arrogant can you get? How selfish can you get to just think time's yours? And you get to play with God. It doesn't really matter what I do. I can sleep with my boyfriend or my girlfriend. I can make money, and I don't need to give it to God because I'm young and need to get my family right. Maybe when I'm old, I'll give some money to the kingdom. God said, James is saying to this church, he said, how arrogant have you become that you just think time is yours? Because here's what he's saying. He's saying, he's saying, listen, time is not yours. That's what he's saying. And he says, for you who think you can say today or tomorrow. Now, he's not saying don't plan. He's just saying you need to be careful when it comes to thinking about time just to think that it's all full of pleasure and you can do it and you can do whatever you want now because when you get older, you can, you can sort it all out. He's saying time is not yours because one day time will run out. And that might be sooner than you think. Here's what he says. He says, Time is like a mist. Time is just a mist. Time is just a mist. It appears for a little while, and then it vanishes forever. And so the challenge to this church, this early church, was this idea that they would just arrogantly buy into this because none of us can be careless and reckless with our time because, and the older generation were better at this. My mom, you, my mom always said DV, which means God willing. So my mom, mommy coming to, for dinner to our house, she'd say, DV, I'll come, DV. God willing, I'll be there. Mommy going to the shop, God willing, I'm going to go to the, mom, you're only going to the shop. You know, but she, I love that. We've, we've lost it somewhere. And, and, and this is what he's telling us to do. He's telling us not to assume that my agenda rules over God's will. Let me say it again. Not to assume that my agenda rules over God's will. Put a God willing at the end of some things when you're planning. You can still plan, just soberly submit to God's time. And then, as we conclude, and the time's near gone, but um, this verse scares me a little bit. Verse 17. 
Now, if, if my hanky were a mic, <laughs> it feels to me that James was actually just said this. It, was, it feels to me when, he, when, he, when he, he said everything in the chapter, then he comes to this verse, he just says this verse, fires the mic, and walks out of the room. That's what it feels like to me. <laughs> he says, if anyone then knows the good they ought to do and they don't do it, it is sin for them. Some people said to me sometimes, Phil, is Emmanuel a safe place? Big question, isn't it? I've been asked it loads of times. Is it a safe place for a gay person? Is it a safe place for someone recovering from addiction, drugs, or drink? Is it a safe place for older people to come to because there's loads of young people about? Is it a safe place? Is it a safe place for unchurched people? Is it a safe place for people who have been hurt by the church to come to? And my answer is, yeah, it's a safe place. But we've got a dangerous message. It's a safe place with a dangerous message. And I say this to you because I'll promise to you, as Dave will, when you come here, we'll tell you the truth. Because we're committed to the truth. And so it's a safe place with a dangerous message. James says here, if you hear the truth, now you know the truth. And if you leave without living the truth, then that's dangerous. He said, if you, if you hear the truth now that you know the truth and you leave without living the truth, then that's dangerous. And what the enemy will do, hear me in this, give me a wee moment or two. What the enemy will do is you will, he, he will make you minimize sin or, or make you think it doesn't matter at all. So he said, does God really care how you spend your money? <laughs> oh, he doesn't really. Do you think God really cares if you're sleeping with your boyfriend or your girlfriend? Do you, do you think God really cares if I, if I, if I just uh, addict myself to something? Yes! A thousand times, yes, God cares. Yes, He cares. And from Genesis to Revelation, the Bible declares to us a God who wants us to know Him dearly and who wants to know us with all of His heart. And so if the devil can get you to read... Marty, do you want to come up and set up? If the devil can get you to redefine sin, if he can say to you, that's not really sin, you're living in the 21st century, and you're like, everybody's doing that, and so it's not really sin. If the devil can do that, here's the problem. Now, hear me in this as I conclude this, and this is very solemn, and it's not the coolest thing you're going to hear today, but it's the truth. If the, if the devil can get you to redefine sin, then your eternal perspective becomes an eternal deception. If he can get you to redefine or minimize sin, then your, your eternal perspective becomes an eternal deception. Now, hear, hear me in this. The Bible says that where there's no, there, there can't be any remission of sin if there's no confession of sin. <laughs> All right? There can't be any remission of sin if there's no confession of sin. And if the devil can get you into a place where you don't even confess your sin, then you don't have the joy of forgiveness anymore. You never get the joy of forgiveness. And here's the thing. If your eternal perspective leads to eternal deception, then eternal deception can lead you to eternal damnation. You see that? Because there's no way of... If, if, he, if, he, if he robs you from contesting your sin, there's no way to get grace in your life. That's the only way to get it. It's the only way to get it. And if, and if he does that, then he forces you into eternal damnation. And the old brethren preachers used to say, there's a heaven to gain and there's a hell to shun. And they were right. And we don't talk about it enough. 
And here's the thing, here's the thing. This forces you to unpair and forces you to separate from the presence of God for all eternity, and that's hell. So wherever you think hell is, oh, hell couldn't be a big lake of fire and all of that, and it couldn't be that bad and all of that. Well, I can tell you, I don't know an awful lot about what hell is like, but I can tell you one thing about it. God ain't going to be there. And some of you don't even want to go to a restaurant if it's not good food. So what about wanting to go to a place for all eternity when the presence of God is no longer present? That's hell. Wherever that is, that's hell. And so James is closing this amazing chapter by saying, if you know better, then you better be better. Solemn, isn't it? If you know better, then you better be better. How do we fix it, Phil? How do we fix it? Oh, just allow him to lock the gate. Just allow him to lock the gate. Just surrender. Submit. Walk into his presence. Walk into his arms. Surrender and submit and keep confessing your faults one to another. Remember King David, not perfect, a scoundrel in many ways, but a man after God's own heart because he just learned how to surrender. And what's happened is the devil has blinded you and he has you on the run because he thinks, that's not sin. God's not worried about that. I'm telling you right now, that's a deception that could take you into a lost eternity. So as we close, we're going to sing a song. Our prayer ministry guys are down at the back. And um, I'd love you if you feel just today you'd like them to pray for you, make your way even while we're singing this song. We sing it, I'll say a quick prayer at the end and we're done. We're a wee bit over time, so apologies for that. But uh, let's, let's stand together, let's worship, and then we'll we pray and then we'll... we'll We hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast. For more information about our church and all that we do, please visit our website at emmanuel-church.co.uk.